everyone. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. I don't know when you're listening to this, but you're listening to it, so I'm appreciative. As always, I'm Ryan Toon, and this is Preview Review. And I'm Tyler Ellison, the co-host of Ryan Toon. We are equal in all ways. That's not what you said in episode three or something like that. I've grown, Tyler. Wow. Character development. Well, if you're just joining us on episode 10, you know the saying, Tyler. Ryan. Tyler. Cue the air horn. We've reached double digits. Hey, baby. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) But if you're just joining us on episode 10, as you know, Tyler, the phrase, every episode could be someone's first episode. It's true. So let's tell that one listener who if doesn't you, know. If you read the number backwards and you think that you're starting with episode zero one, aka episode one, hello and welcome to the first episode of Preview Review. I'm Tyler Olson and this is my co-host Ryan Toon. On this podcast, we like to discuss movie trailers. We like movies, but we also really like movie trailers because sometimes they're better than the movies are actually. And sometimes they're not as good as the movies are actually. And sometimes they're exactly as good as the movies will be. Great job, Tyler. I'm pretty sure you aced that speed round and how to describe our podcast in an elevator pitch. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Well, so that just got into why we like trailers. But as for like the reason of why this needs to be a podcast, I don't really know. It's how I, we I spend our admit, time. Ryan, I have to admit, going into episode 10, I'm having a little bit of an existential crisis as to why this podcast even exists. And I'm just hoping that today's episode will help turn me around. Tyler... This podcast exists so we can talk about the movies, specifically Hustlers, The Goldfinch, Charlie's Angels, and Little Women. Okay, that sounds fun. Otherwise, you and I would never discuss movie trailers. We only do it when we're being recorded for a podcast which does not turn a profit. Okay, you're right. So, I guess, before we get started talking about those trailers, though, Ryan, you recently saw the movie Good Boys. Which we've talked about previously on the podcast. That's true. What did you think of it? Alright. You know what? It's time for classic Ryan's Review Roundup. Cue Ryan's Review Roundup theme music. For the last time, I'm not getting you a theme song. Great. Thanks to friend of the show, Matt Lockshaw, for composing that theme song. It's one of your best. So today we're reviewing Good Boys. Good Boys, this is the movie that is basically premised around swearing tweens. Going on an adventure. From the trailers, we didn't know what that adventure would entail, but we just knew it would be comedic in nature. And if you watch the trailers and you say, this is a film that I'll enjoy because I enjoyed that trailer, you were correct. If you watch the trailers and you said, oh God, I can't handle this. I don't want anything to do with this utter garbage. Then you probably won't like this film. I myself was intrigued by these trailers. Therefore, the film was good. This is a perfect marketing. If you saw it, you got exactly a taste of what is to come. Good job, trailer people. Good job, Universal and Seth Rogen. You made a movie that I enjoyed. Awesome. Sounds great. And that is the end of Ryan's Review Roundup. Tyler, you may now play the Ryan's Review Roundup outro music. I'm not getting you outro music, let alone intro music. You can't have two. We only have one. We have outro music. It's just the same thing without the words. That's what I want. (laughs) You want words in your intro music? Yeah, it goes, Ryan's Review Roundup. That's plagiarism. (laughs) But is self-plagiarism a thing, Tyler? My vote is yes. Mm, Then I think I should have deserved 
an F in college because I definitely self-plagiarized myself <laughs> on this one essay. Don't tell Rick Kennedy. So I have this opening question for us on today's episode, Ryan. Yes, who would be the best composer for my theme music? No, that's not it. The answer is John Williams. I will accept none less than John Williams. What about Danny Elfman? He is definitely less than John Williams. But would you accept it? Um, I might accept John Powell or Hans Zimmer. <laughs> or Junkie XL. <laughs> what? He's a composer. He, he did the Deadpool movie. Oh, got it. Well, here's the opening question that I started talking about earlier, but was rudely interrupted. By a Hans Zimmer bomb. As we mentioned this time on Preview Review. This time on Preview Review, the boys discuss Hustlers, the Goldfinch, Charlie's Angels, and Little Women. What crazy antics will ensue on tonight's episode? (laughs) On this episode, we're talking about Hustlers and Little Women and Charlie's Angels, all of which could be considered female ensemble films. So my question to you, Ryan, is what is the best female ensemble film? You know, now I... we know, we know, we know, we know. Female ensemble films should just be considered ensemble films. We support female actors in Hollywood and directors and writers and all the other awesome roles that women play in Hollywood. But for the sake of highlighting art that is involving women, we want to specifically highlight some of the best movies that we think feature a mostly female ensemble cast. And so for that reason, we're turning specific attention to female ensemble movies in this question. Correct. And Tyler... I wrote this question, but didn't think about it at all until this minute. And I have a question. Charlie's Angel is a three-person ensemble film. Are we counting two persons? No, because also has persons? That's four. Yeah, but she's not a lead. She's Bosley. Bosley's not a lead. Debatable. But what if what if I could just go for two? Two is a duo movie, not an ensemble. But it's movie. iconic. My answer, Thelma and Louise. It's a great film, buddy, friends, women, crazy ending. No spoilers, but if you know, you know. Is this an acceptable answer for you, Tyler? Do you have any other answer? I mean, I could say Pitch Perfect 3, because I think it's ridiculous and lots of fun. Does that one count? But not Pitch Perfect 2, because I didn't like that one. It's just fine. What about Pitch Perfect 1? Well, of course, it's a classic, Tyler. But, okay, but we're like talking about the Pitch Perfect. Thelma but Thelma and Louise is better than all three of it the Pitch Perfect movie. movies. Okay, fine, fine. Thelma and Louise would back up the Pitch Perfect trilogy. That's Minus number answer. two. Don't like Pitch Perfect You have Perfect to settle two. with it. You have to settle with that as your backup. Pitch Perfect, only the odd ones. Okay. <laughs> What's your answer? I gave an ensemble of answers, Tyler. Okay, then I too will give an ensemble of answers because I couldn't even settle on one in the first place. Tyler rises to the challenge. Alright, here we go. Starting off with the classic, Mean Girls. It's hilarious, it stood the test of time, it's well written and acted, and it's just one of the classic comedy movies of a generation. Mm. And that's definitely an ensemble. Eh, it's not an ensemble. Okay, it's literally an ensemble cast. If you Google female ensemble movies, I guarantee you Mean Girls pops up. Starring the guy who plays Damien, the boy from Cupcake Wars, and Tim Robbins, Mean Girls. There's three men in the movie, 
contrast that to Lindsay Lohan, Rachel McAdams, Lacey... I don't remember her last name. It's Amanda okay. Seyfried. I only said the names Lacey of two Chambert. characters. <laughs> That's her last name. Amanda Seyfried, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, and Janice. <laughs> no, That's Lizzie seven. Kaplan. Lizzie Kaplan. <laughs> it's an ensemble movie. You can't doubt me. Sorry, it just in my head. When Number I two ensemble. answer. Another classic female-driven ensemble comedy, Bridesmaids. Also I agree hilarious. with this one. Also, it's the same thing. There's no, men in that here's movie. Here's the difference. Mean Girls, they're not all working together as a team, but they are in Bridesmaids. Like, the team in Mean Girls is Lindsay Lohan, Lizzie Kaplan, and Damien. You could argue that the plastics are a team. But they're the bad guys. Mm, I feel like the movie's more nuanced than that. But they're the bad guys. Okay, and number three. Pitch Perfect 3. If you didn't think Mean Girls was an ensemble movie, you're definitely not going to think this is an ensemble movie. But I let you have Thelma and Louise, so you have to deal with it. The number three pick on my best ensemble female-driven movie is Lady Bird. Okay. Lady Bird is it's just like Thelma by, and Louise. It's I'll driven take by Saoirse Ronan it. and Laurie Metcalf. Plus, you have Beanie Feldstein in there. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Poignant. Hilarious. It's one of the best It's movies. true. I'll take it because you let me have Thelma and Louise. Plus, both of those films have females driving. So it is literally a, a female-driven female ensemble film. <laughs> I don't remember if anyone drives in Pitch Perfect 3, so I could be out. Rachel McAdams drives in Mean Girls. You didn't lose a the, shopping. The bus driver also drives in Mean Girls. <laughs> I don't know if the bus driver was a woman or not, so I don't know if that counts. Anyway... Let's jump right into this week's meat. What if we have vegetarian listeners, Ryan? It can be the impossible burger. The impossible burger of this week's episode is Hustlers. Hustlers is a film that will release on September 13th, directed by Lauren Scafria, who directed Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, which is a film that I thought was okay, and The Meddler, which is a film that I had never heard of. It stars Constance Wu, Jennifer Lopez, Cardi B, Kiki Palmer, Julia Stiles, Lily Reinhardt, Lizzo, and Usher. This film... Usher's playing himself, by the way, which is weird. Yes. Well, Usher... None of the other people are playing themselves, including Cardi B and Lizzo. Or Jennifer Lopez. She's also a musician, Tyler. She's been an actress more recently than she's been in a musician. Well, you could argue they've all been actors more recently than they've been musicians because they're going to be in this film... And that boom isn't even out yet. It's so recent that it's in the future. Just food for thought. So this movie, hmm, it looks like a very interesting film in which Jennifer Lopez is playing this mentor to all these women who are strippers, but then they're going to change their luck and stop being the ones who are put down and abused and turn into the ones who are like taking advantage of the situation and like basically hustling men for their money and taking them for all their worth by charging them more for dances or something and stealing from them and putting them in the hospital and then stealing their cars or something. At least that's what I understood from the trailer. What do you think, Tyler? What is this movie about? The trailer looks like I kind of just was thinking that it would just be, you know, these dancers start taking advantage of men because they're trying to, you know, subvert the power expectations and 
the wealthy men are now going to be kind of swindled and these women will be able to you know better their lives we see that these women have are either single mothers or have other circumstances in their lives they're not necessarily in the best socioeconomic um state and so kind of just a you know turn their luck around kind of story but then i read a portion of the new york magazine article and some of the like kind of thought pieces on the movie by the way the article he's talking about is the one that this film is based off of oh, this yeah, film is based, based on an article of new york magazine article about the truth you know how you see trailers that say based on a true story this one literally says based on the new york magazine article and it turns out that this is like also a narrative on the economic crisis of the mid-2000s and like the big short yeah, that's what I was going to say. These women decide that these financial executives are the ones that really scammed America, so they're going to turn around and like, scam them through the way that they can do that, which is interacting with them as strippers. Which is so interesting. It's the big short meets Ocean's Eleven, or Ocean's Eight, I guess, technically. That is interesting. Um, when I saw this trailer, I thought, wow, that looks pretty intriguing. I like Constance Wu. I have endured Jennifer Lopez's performance and never really thought she was a bad actor, but never really thought she's been in a good film. But I don't think that's always her fault. Kiki Palmer is a name I haven't heard since I watched Nickelodeon. Um, Cardi B and Lizzo are names that I don't usually see in the movie theater. So I'm I'm piqued there, piqued interest. It's genuinely an all-star cast. I'm just excited to see the movie. I want to know to what extent it's going to be just very, like, superficial women taking men's money and like just that kind of story which would still be a fun story um but also to what extent they're going to delve into the more like gritty nature of why they're deciding to run this hustle and the societal and economic implications that are at hand yeah when i watched this trailer i thought that kind of looks like a more like a working class version of widows which was a film that came out last year Mm -hmm. that i really enjoyed that had like women at the front doing these like sort of like mob actions to get money mm-hmm. and this seemed more like that was more of like the high class version where she's living in a penthouse and this is the one where they're like literally hustling by being dancers yeah it also seems like a more like better version of the hustle that came out earlier this year with rebel wilson and and hathaway where like women are deciding that they're going to become the scam artists because men are just so easy to like, oh, they uh, they impose their power over women and think that women are just helpless and they don't have any like ability to have any power or do anything about it. Yeah. And so they're choosing to like use basically what they're given as women or use their status as something that they think that they can be subjected to power and use that against the men, which is, I think, super fascinating just societal commentary. Yeah, it seems like a more dramatic, realistic version of the hustle. Exactly. Because the hustle was mainly played for comedy because it was a comedy. Yeah. That's so it wasn't as realistic, was... or it was more like ethereal, I guess. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't dive into like I said, like those like why are, like as much of why are they choosing to do this? It's a couple throwaway lines of like men think that they can like get whatever they want from women, but I think this will be a more in depth look at like what motivates women to. Like, the power structures that motivate women to use what they can to finally, like, gain some traction and power over their own lives. Yes. Do you think Usher is one of the ones they hustle? 
I literally have no idea. I don't like, know why is Usher in this movie as himself. Like if he was just playing somebody, like could be anybody. Last you know? time I saw Usher play himself was in the Justin Bieber documentary. Well, that's a documentary. He's not playing anybody. Well, I mean, he was Usher, and he was in the film. Okay. But I I agree. He wasn't acting. But that was the last time I saw him on the screen. Maybe, like, Usher owns the club that they dance in? Why would they be working at Usher's club? Like, that would be, like, actually Usher Usher, not, like, Usher the club owner, like, fake movie role Usher. I don't think he could do that. I think, like... I don't know. Maybe he gets hustled by him. I think that could be fun. I would like to see Usher get hustled. Who do you think is most likely to hustle Usher if you just have to choose a tag team from this group? Well, I would say, you know, Cardi B and Lizzo are more connected to the music industry. Yeah, but they're not playing themselves. Yeah, but he'd be like, hey, that kind of looks like Lizzo. Hey, that kind of looks like Cardi B. He'd be like more into them, and then they would hustle him. Is Usher connected to this actual true story? Like, is he involved? Is that why he's in it as himself? I don't know. I didn't do that much research. Because back in 2008 times, Cardi B and Lizzo weren't, like, really big names. Well, Cardi really. B was a stripper. Yeah. Probably. Well, I don't know. Her backstory, I haven't read her autobiography. I haven't, but I've listened to Bodak Yellow, so I know that she used to be a stripper. You can rap about anything. It doesn't have to be true. I'm pretty sure that's false. Um, have you listened to any to Lonely fashion. Island song? <laughs> they rap about it doesn't count aliens. White. white people can rap. Macklemore has made his career off of it. So has Eminem. Yeah, but his is all fake rap. That's what I'm saying. Eminem color rap. They have to rap the truth. Eminem raps about real things. Mm. He made a whole movie called He's Eight Mile. He's not an actual Eminem. No, that's his why name he doesn't. Is a lie. That's why he doesn't spell it the way that the company does. He's subverting the company's expectations, Tyler. Thank you, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Maybe Usher just kind of forgot that Lizzo and Cardi B <laughs> were famous people. <laughs> so our next film, Tyler, what is our next Are we film? Are Hustlers? I feel like we didn't really say anything about this movie. I feel like we've talked long enough. I'm excited for it. It looks like it could be good. The trailer doesn't really give me much of the ensemble vibe, like telling me who each character is. But it tells me that there is a group of women that will hustle. And Jennifer Lopez is at the forefront of that, even though she's not first build, which is also an interesting dynamic. Yeah, and I'm excited, especially for Constance Wu's performance. Her looks the most, like, meaty and dramatic from the trailer. And so I'm really excited for her. And just, like, still a lot of credit to her for the ability that she's been able to play, like, this character and her character in... Crazy Rich Asians. Asians. Yeah. Or Fresh Off the Boat. After being a mom on Fresh Off the Boat. Like, it's very impressive. Is this... as an actress. Did, um, when Fresh Off the Boat got renewed, Constance Wu famously was upset about this. Is, is Hustlers one of the reasons why she wanted to do more things like this? Maybe. An Oscar for Constance Wu for Hustlers? Is that what's gonna happen, Tyler? I'm here for it. I mean, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I'd be down. All right, we're starting the Oscar campaign now based on one tweet and one trailer. Constance Wu, would she be best lead An actress? Oscar for Constance. I think so. Yeah, Jennifer Lopez looks like she's in the more supporting role. All right, next movie time? Sure. Yes. The next movie that we're talking about is The Goldfinch, which is also hitting theaters September 13th. So a little, you know, fight between Hustlers and Goldfinch. We'll see who comes out on top. It's probably The Goldfinch. I think Hustlers will make more money. Overall or opening weekend? Both. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it is more like generically appealing. But we're underestimating the older crowd that loved the book, The Goldfinch. It was but a book. are we also underestimate? Yes. Okay. 
probably also underestimating the people that love the New York Magazine article, Hustlers. Or the people that love Lizzo. That's me. <laughs> Tell me what The Goldfinch is about. Who directed it? Who's the Goldfinch <laughs> is directed by John Crowley, who did Brooklyn and Closed Circuit. And it stars Ansel Elgort, Nicole Kidman, Sarah Paulson, Luke Wilson, Jeffrey Wright, Aaron Bernard, and Finn Wolfhard. There's also another child actor that plays young Ansel Elgort, but I forgot his name and I didn't write it down. We're just going to call him Ansel Jr. from He's now the on. young boy that is in Pete's Dragon, I think. Oh, um, Pete. Sure, that's his name in that movie when the main character's name is Pete. But he has a real name, which I don't know. So The Goldfinch is based on a book. and Is the book called The Goldfinch? Yes. Wow, they didn't even change the title. No, it's a direct adaptation. Wow. It's a very beloved book. I have it somewhere in my house. I think have my you mom read it? read it. Oh, mom. I have read it, but I've seen the book before. It exists. We have proof. Oh, well, it's anecdotal evidence, so it's not really the most concrete, but I, I'm pretty sure I've it seen holds it up in Ryan's court. So, this movie looks like a really great character driven drama starring Ansel Elgort. Really happy to see him taking on this dramatic role. It looks pretty heavy. The plot that I gather from the trailer is a young boy, his mother dies in a bombing that takes place at an art museum, and the rest of his life from that moment on just basically descends into chaos, and the thing that ties him to that incident where his mom died is he has stolen this painting of the goldfinch, which is a real painting that exists, and... So you're telling me this is a book, a painting, and a movie? What else can't do? It's really hit the truest It's a triple threat. Yeah. Just like Justin Timberlake. All we need is now The Goldfinch, the musical. So is The Goldfinch, the painting, going to EGOT? Ooh, maybe. (laughs) So yeah, it looks like a really interesting plotline. I'm really excited to see how this plays out. I am curious to see all these performances. I really like Ansel Elgort. I like Nicole Kidman, Sarah Paulson, Luke Wilson, Jeffrey Wright, Finn Wolfhard. And yeah, I think it'll be a... Having seen that the director did Brooklyn, I see this as like being similar to that in like just really great character driven drama, but maybe not the best overall like story, like engaging plot. A plot that holds its weight to like create the dynamic for the characters, but not like a really thrilling, like enthralling plot that I really want to see like the outcome of or anything like that. Um, yeah. Especially since this is the director of Brooklyn, John Crowley, and with this all-star dramatic cast and the way the film is shot, like or at least the trailer is like where it's like this trauma in the young boy's life leads into like how it affects him as an adult and the connection with this painting and the connection with Jeffrey Wright and his mother, apparently Nicole Kidman. To me, this like all looks like this could be our first real like Oscar contender of the year so For far. Sure. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm excited. I actually really enjoyed Brooklyn, so I'm excited to see what this director does next. And so Elgort, great in everything I've seen him in, even in his uh, very small cameo in Paper Towns. He's a standout. I remember it to this day, and I've only seen the film once. And he has no lines. He does better than that other character that I don't remember from that film. (laughs) But yeah, Nicole Kidman, she's been in some things that I... You know, don't think she's the greatest in, but, you know, she can always turn a great performance if she has to. Like, um, the most recent thing I saw Nicole Kidman in was Aquaman, 
She was his mom, and she was fine. <laughs> but Aquaman isn't the type of movie that's going for the same vibe as The Goldfinch. Sarah Paulson was in Glass. I saw that one. I don't think it's going to win any awards, but it was fine. Luke Wilson was in Idiocracy. <laughs> this isn't going as well as I thought it would when I started this train of thought. But anyway, I think this movie looks really good and it possibly an award contender. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I guess just my point earlier about the goldfinch and the plot. And I think because Brooklyn was also based on a book, right? If yes, I recall that. And it's also a place. So it's also a triple threat. Um, but I think more like just these books, these like intense, like dramatic novels are just created to be a little bit more like, I guess the word is like meandering and like, because they're not meant to be sat and like read in one sitting. Although some people do that. It's more about like this weaving plot and like you go on this journey with these characters. Yeah. Like spending time with the characters. Yeah. It it, like just spins this tale a little bit over like a longer period of time. And so I guess like those books, like while they do develop when they're adapted like really awesome performances and just can do some really exciting plot elements i think in general sometimes have a little bit there's a little bit of a a difficult time adapting this like longer meandering story into like format of a film where it's meant to be just sat and viewed in one sitting i felt like this with um barry jenkins film if Bill street could talk it was it was really great the cinematography was beautiful the characters were great and it had some really heartfelt emotional points to the story but I thought it was a little bit difficult for it to be like really really captivating because the plot just seemed to be like a very slowly meandering like when you watch that movie you could, time. you could tell that it was based on a book and sometimes like that works in the favor of a film and sometimes it doesn't I didn't know this was a book and watching the trailer I didn't get that vibe but hopefully it goes more the route of you don't have to know anything about the book or like know that it was even a book at all or because the movie won't feel like a book. It'll feel like a more, a different piece of art that was based on this other piece of art. And I think the key to that is that just like weaving in the like timeline well and like how well they develop like young Ansel Elgort and Finn Wolfhard as like the younger versions of the characters and then the adult versions of the characters and not like not spending too little, but also not too much time with either of them and like weaving those in throughout the movie to like keep that plot moving. Yeah, watching this trailer, that seemed like um, the probably the biggest challenge for this film would be juggling the different timelines that it's dealing with, with the young and the old. I know some films that like do that very well and some that like spend too much time in one and then the other is lacking or vice versa. And then there's films like It, which just decided to make two films based on the different timelines. Yeah, totally. But it does look really good and I am excited. Like I do enjoy these plot lines where it feels like, I don't know, it doesn't feel like it needs to be this like, pinched like story arc of like finite beginning and finite ending and everything wraps up like it, it, I do enjoy a movie that can just be like a course of time spent with a character and investigating like the different elements of their life but I do think that sometimes those movies have pacing issues and some things mm-hmm. like that that make it a little bit difficult to digest in a film format yeah. and so th- that's my only caution about the goldfinch but I think that they can pull it off I'm, I'm excited to see the movie and see how they do that yeah just watching it thinking like this is what we've got from the plot an explosion happens the painting is missing something happens drama as a result of all that it's not much of like a plot like you know like and that is a pretty intense plot line like yeah but this huge explosion in a museum Mm -hmm. and does young Ansel Elgort like carry this stolen painting with him for the rest of his life into adulthood like that's pretty gnarly 
Yeah, but the way the trailer presents it, you have to think about it to kind of like unravel the plot from the trailer. Because right. the way you, when you watch the trailer, you just go, this looks like a dramatic work of cinema featuring great actors that will probably give great performances. Mm-hmm. You, have to the, get, you have to put together like what the narration is saying and the seeing this explosion in the museum yes. and seeing the boy look at the painting in the ashes. Mm-hmm. And... This, this trailer makes you work for it. Usually some movies make you work for it. And the trailers don't do that because they're trying to sell this movie to the the masses, but not the Goldfinch. It says this is a thinking person's film. Yeah, which is why I would say, like, to be fair, like on this podcast we are talking about the trailers as well as the movies, and so to move off of just being excited for the movie, I do think this is one of the best trailers I've seen this year because of the way that it has these different layers to it and makes the audience have to be like more inclined to pay attention to kind of understand what the movie is going to be about and it's also just really beautiful and i think showcases some of the really great work that's being done on this film i don't know i am really excited yeah i think I, it looks good but i think um, this is roger deakins next film after he did blade runner 2049 last year so the cinematography in the trailer is really good and i'm excited to see that in in the movie itself yeah. too um and for those listeners who don't know, Roger Deakins is a cinematographer um, who's done great films in the past. Um, Almost every Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. Blade Runner 2049, Sicario. He's not like a name that you'll know if you just go to the movies and aren't like looking at the people who are working behind the film. Mm, shout out to One Perfect Shot on Twitter. You get to learn all about great cinematographers and directors. But if you're looking more into like how a film is made, like Roger Deakins is a name you'll come across. And he's very respected, and he does a lot of cool he's work. He's known to be one of the best cinematographers of all time. So that's very exciting. I didn't know that this was his project, and that actually gets me more excited for this film, which is interesting because usually the name of a cinematographer isn't that important mm-hmm. to a film, but Roger Deakins just carries that weight with him. Totally. Yeah. Can't wait. I definitely think this is going to be... We're going to be talking more about the Goldfinch come award season, too. Ooh. As in us, specifically, are you hinting at the preview review best trailer awards, awards season, the oh previews? We're committing to a future episode that we haven't planned yet, but we'll do something around awards season and do our own our own special awards show for all the it's best the things It's the previews. Even though, well, this will give us a good chance to talk about um, movies that came out earlier this year because we only started this podcast like halfway through the year, so... Mm-hmm. And we'll be just as great as the Academy voters, and we'll watch every single trailer that ever comes out, because they watch every single film that comes out, Tyler. Oh my god. But they don't. It's all lies. Yeah, Arctic Dogs never stands a chance for the Oscar. Yeah, they've already written it off. They haven't seen it. Quick, write to your congressman and tell them the Oscars, their their people need to be vetted. They need to make sure they see every film that is released. The government doesn't have anything to do with the I Oscars. don't know how to do anything, but write to my congressman to find change, Tyler. That's how you can implement change. We should change. know who the president of the Academy is. They come out and they introduce the in memoriam every year. It's true. It's that old white dude. Mm, imagine that. Well, Ryan, I think it's time to move to our next segment on today's episode. Cool. As we mentioned... This is our 10th episode. <gasps> Amazing. We finally made it to double digits. And uh, you know what that means? I don't know. I'm just feeling a little bit of a retrospective. We now have as many episodes as the average person has digits. 
on their hands. I mean, I don't know if that's true. You don't think the average is 10? Oh, I guess people bring it down, maybe. Who knows? Like, we'll, we'll go statistically... In, we'll go more into finger talk on digits our are hard. Episode. Digits are hard because some people have less than 10, but some people have more than 10, so the average could sit at 10. But with limbs, the average number of limbs... Is less than four. Yeah, or the average number of arms, I guess, is less than two. Because nobody really has a third arm. But anyway, what's what's your retrospective thing? I've done a little retrospective, and I'm thinking back to, you know, all the things that were ten ago. So ten weeks ago, we didn't have this podcast. Ten months ago, I was still in college. Ten years ago was 2009. Mm. That's so weird. What about... 10 decades ago. That was 1919. Whoa. World War One. If we went back and told them, they'd be like, what do you mean World War One?" <laughs> I don't know what that joke is from, but it's funny every time. I've seen it in a comic strip. But I'm sure it does not originate <laughs> there. Anyways, Ryan, what were you doing in 2009? 2009. I, let's think... I was, what grade was I in in 2009? I was in, oh, I had just, well, it depends on what time at 2009. If it was what is now August, August 2009, I was just about to go into ninth grade, I think. Is that right? Yeah, because you graduated in 13, so yeah. 9, 10, 10, 11, 11, 12, 12, 13. Exactly. Wow. I was about to start high school. And I was about to start eighth grade because I'm one year behind you yes and then tyler would you have ever thought 10 years ago that you would have grown up and then you would have watched a film called eighth grade about eighth graders and you would have really loved it and enjoyed it and said yes this is a good film about my peers i don't know that i really thought about that but i'm glad that it exists now because now i look at it and i'm like wow eighth grade was rough so i liked eighth grade i had fun good for you anyways 2009 was also a very exciting year for film. Okay. Oh, Avatar. Avatar came out. For granted. Avatar came out and it made a lot of money and then it didn't get toppled until 10 years later. Wow, full circle. Poetic. It's like poetry. It rhymes. So, Ryan, here's what I've done. What have you done? What have you done? I have come up with a list of six films that debuted in 2009. I'm going to play... A clip from their trailer. This is the first time we're playing a trailer that's not from the present on this podcast. Pa- no, Wait, that's, that's not, not true. true. That's a straight up lie. We're so sorry. Disclaimer. We're liars. This is the first time we're playing a trailer from 2009 on this podcast. Maybe. I don't know. Someone would have to fact check us, but I don't think anyone is dedicated to this podcast enough to do that. So, I'm going to play the first 10 seconds of that trailer. You got to tell me what movie it is. Pretty straightforward. Ooh, Sound like fun? The classic movie trailer game. It's the reoccurring game, but this time, all films from 09. I'm into it. Let's go. Here's the first trailer. You Jake Sully? This like is Avatar. Jake it Sully. is Avatar. I didn't know if you would know because no one remembers any character names from Avatar. Jake Sully is the only name I know that was in Avatar. He was the rising star Sam Worthington at the time. He's gone nowhere, but he made it into the second highest grossing film of all time, which is pretty good. That's impressive. 
Zoe Saldana plays Neytiri, which is another character named Avatar. But she's also in Avengers Endgame, so she's in the number one and two highest grossing movies That's ever. That's twice as impressive as Sam Worthington, who plays Jake Sully in the film Avatar. Okay, here we go. Trailer number two. You must now pass the obstacle course, survive this, and you're on the front lines of keeping New Jersey safe. Me. This is Paul Blart Mall Cop. Wow, you got it. It is Paul Blart Mall Cop. Pure art. How did you get that before the trailer said, meet Paul Blart? I just remember that scene. That's like the very beginning of the scene. He has to pass this obstacle course, but then he passes out because he needs sugar, so he's not able to finish it. But that's why he's so fat, because he's carrying around chocolate bars so much. And this is one of the perfect fat guy funny equals, like, great movie thing that has ever been. But wow. then the sequel came out and perfected it, because it's just a big ad for the hotel they're staying in. And it's even better. And by better, I mean worse. And the worse these films are, the better they are, because that's how much quality they have. I'm just impressed that you got the words obstacle course, and your first thought was... This film was Paul Blart. Well, New Jersey is also famous for where Paul Blart takes place. I don't even remember that took place in New Jersey. This is too much. It's It also takes place on Black Friday, Tyler. So if you ever need a Thanksgiving movie, Paul Blart's your boy. Okay, here we go. Trailer number three. Will you marry me? Yes! Peter already booked the place we went for that long weekend. So romantic. So romantic. She doesn't know she's on speakerphone. That's right. Okay. See if you can pick up on... On the people so, that are in the movie. So I can't... I don't recognize either of the girls' voices, but that's definitely Paul Rudd. Okay. Paul Rudd was doing a lot of things around this era, and I don't remember which comedy he was in at this year. It could have been, like, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. It could have been I Love You, Man. It could have been Role Models. I don't... But this is like about... more time? Wait, wait, wait. Let me think this through. It's about a wedding, and it's Paul Rudd in the late 2000s. It's I Love You, Man. It is I Love You, Man. Well done. I really like this movie. That one was hard. I hadn't seen that movie until recently, and it's not bad. It's pretty good. It's good. Jason Segel, Paul Rudd, they play Rush. They slap the bass. They slap at a bass bomb. Oh, wait, Tyler, before we get any further, what happens when I win this game? Because obviously I'm killing it. Well, I didn't tell you anything because I really don't care what happens if you win. This is just an exciting romp into the past. Oh my gosh. Can I win something from 2009? What was popular in 2009? Avatar. If I win this... I'll take you to go see Avatar (gasps) 2. If I win, Tyler is going to take me to the world of Pandora at Disney's Animal Kingdom. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I have to win. And to win, I must get all right. Okay, here This we is go. for the Flight of Passage ride. Trailer number four. All the horrible things in your life. Your father. Oh, what is it, no. Ryan? Oh, no. The world of Pandora is on the line. <laughs> and I have no clue. Everyone knows that if I ask for a hint... I will be disqualified from earning this Florida trip, but I must do it because I don't know. I'll give you more time for free. For free. But but this still disqualifies me from winning a trip to Florida. But I'm still in the running to win Avatar 2 seconds. Awards. Knowing that the woman you loved was hunted down. 
I'm still just as lost. Um, what does this sound like to you? Like, if you had to prescribe like a genre or a type to this movie, well, what this do you is think like, it would be? It feels sort of like a more inspirational version of Taken right now, and I don't know what that is. Okay, does it help you if I tell you that this movie is bad? Well, I figured that. I don't okay. know why, because like the music is so generic, and it's not distinguishable. What the hell if I told you this movie is part of a very large franchise? Is this a Fast and Furious movie? Mm, no. Oh, dang it. I know all of their names now. I, I researched for Hobbs and Shaw and I didn't have to. <laughs> Long franchise. It's been, well, yeah, it has to. Is it still going, the franchise? You could say that. Is this an X-Men There was a recent movie? installment this year. Is this an X-Men movie? X-Men 2009. X-Men Origins Wolverine? It is X-Men Origins Wolverine. I only knew that because I know what X-Men film came out in 2009. That trailer, I don't hear it in the trailer. All the horrible things you've been through, which is also what we all said to each other after we saw the movie. I watched it more recently, and it's worse than I remember, but it also is funnier than I remember because it's that bad. But I guess this means I'm not going to Florida. It's okay. I'll be able to ride on the back of the Mighty Akron one day. But it's okay. If you get the next two right, I'll still take you to see Avatar 2. This is for all the James Cameron Marvels. Hit it. Trailer number five. Welcome to Camp Victory. Oh, Camp Victory? I thought this was Camp Liberty. Oh, no. They changed that about uh, a week ago. Victory sounds better. All right. So what do you got? Mm, I'm going to guess because I'm pretty sure this is right. But I'm also... I don't think I've seen this movie. Um, this is the Hurt Locker. It is the Hurt Locker. Well done. That's definitely Jeremy Renner. And 2009 was the year that Avatar and the Hurt Locker were uh, fighting against each other at the Oscars. Mm -hmm. James Cameron's ex-wife beat him. And it was great because Avatar isn't that good of a movie. It's just okay. But I'm still playing to win Avatar 2 tickets, baby. Alright, Ryan. You are in the running to win Avatar 2 tickets. Yes. But you have to get this next trailer correct. We're down to the line. It's all or nothing. Here we go. Trailer number six. Ten hot eyes forward! That's what you get. The next five seconds of the trailer definitely gives it away. But if you can guess it based on that, you're a big winner. Oh no. Tin Hut made me think it was some kind of football movie. But then it sounded like there were gunshots. So I'm like, what football player has a gun? And I don't know the answer. Um, well, it was not football. I didn't think it was. I, I figured that out. But I don't know. I already guessed the military movie I knew from 2009. And that was The Hurt Locker. Mm. What if I told you that... Okay. I'm going to play you one more second of the trailer. One and more? See if oh, you can no. Pick it up. I think you'll be able to do it. My name. Mine. Is this uh, G.I. Joe? No. The Rise of Cobra? Or G.I. Joe? That also came out. Was that 2009? It does mine. Ah. That's not this movie. I was like, I think it was. Because that kind of sounds like Channing Tatum. Is Lieutenant Aldo Ray. Oh, I know this movie. Inglorious Bastards. It is Inglorious Bastards. Wow. It was the military of the past. Ten Hut. The mark of the military of the past. And the current mark 
of football quarterbacks. They go hut ten times. Hike. Yep. And then he throws the football and it gets intercepted and the other team gets a pick six. I don't know why I'm for the defense on this scenario because I played offensive football when I was in high school. But I guess I don't even win tickets to Avatar 2, so I guess I'm being a little defensive about that. It's okay. There's not even a trailer for that yet. I don't care about movies that don't have previews. Well, Ryan, thanks for playing. Yeah, I mean, I'm disappointed in myself. It was pretty hard. You you put a you put a good game together. You beat me. But you got the hardest runs, which I thought were "I Love You, Man" and "The Hurt Locker." I thought the hardest one was "Inglorious Bastards." I also was surprised that I knew that Kevin James was running around a police training camp in New Jersey. That is also still impressive to me. Good job. I'm gonna go home and watch Paul Blart. Just watch Paul Blart too. It's way better. Why not both? <laughs> All right, Ryan. Let's move on to the third movie we're discussing today. Oh, you mean Charlie's Angels 2019, released in the future on November 15th, 2019, directed by Elizabeth Banks, who's only directed one other film before, Petrific 2, which but we've she's already... been in several. Yeah, but this is her directing. Um, but we've... she's only directed Petrific 2. Did she not do number three? No. Why not? I don't know. Someone else did. Okay. Maybe she was working on this. Because Pitchfork 3 came out two years ago. Um, but we all know, because I've already stated it, that Pitchfork 2 is the worst of the Pitchfork films. But this film stars Kristen Stewart, Naomi Scott, Ella Walenska, Sam Claffin, or Claffin, Noah Centineo, Elizabeth Banks, she's starring and directing, um, Digimon Honsu, and Patrick Stewart. And this is the latest in the Charlie's Angels franchise. While researching for this episode, I was um, shocked to learn that everything that has the Charlie's Angels name on it, that means the Charlie's Angels TV show from the 70s, the Charlie's Angels movies from the early 2000s, and the Charlie's Angels tried reboot TV show in 2011, and this film all take place in the same Charlie's Angels universe. They're just different teams of women spies. And I was like, wow, it's not a reboot. Bold going with that name choice then. It's like Halloween. Halloween and Halloween. Yeah, how do you differentiate it between... Well, you could say this is the one that has uh, Kristen Stewart and directed by Elizabeth Banks. Not the one that has Drew Barrymore. And Lucy Liu. And I don't Those know. Those movies were so fun. I'd, I've never seen them. Man, you're missing out. But I have seen this trailer. And this trailer looks like... Um, Kristen Stewart and Ella Bolinsky are angels for Charlie, the man who is the leader of the spies women team, and they have recruited Naomi Scott to be a spy woman as well, and Noah Centineo is in it, and there's some weird flirting going on with him because he has to be in the romantic lead in every movie in 2019, and Elizabeth Banks is there as Bosley, who through my research I found out is always a different person it seems. Um, but like in the TV show and the movies and then now, but Bosley is also a different character each time. So it's not like Bosley is being recast. It's just another member of the Bosley family and Patrick Stewart's in it. And I thought he was Charlie from the trailer, but he's not according to Wikipedia. He's some other old dude. I think he's another Bosley, right? It's him and Jujimon Hansu and Elizabeth Banks. They're a trio of Bosleys? Bosleys? Yeah. 
I don't know about that. Let me check Wikipedia real quick. Because Elizabeth Banks' character is just named Bosley. But anyway, this movie looks like it's a generic action movie with that stars women spies. And I don't really know what the plot is or what's going to happen in this film. But it's just banking off the name Charlie's Angels as yep, a thing people exactly know. And it looks not great to me. But a big, I think it looks fun. a big thing in this trailer, my sister leaned over to me when we saw this trailer in the theater and said, you know, it's never a good sign when the trailer is advertising its soundtrack. The movie trailer is advertising the soundtrack. It says featuring new songs from Ariana Grande. They're just trying to get people that like Ariana Grande to come to the movie. But guess what? You can just listen to that song, stream it on your streaming service like Spotify, and you don't have to go to the movie. To but listen then it to it. Then won't get nominated for Best Original Song at the Oscars. I don't think it would anyway. They're not going to put Charlie's Angels in that category. That's possible. The Academy voters, they're not going to put their nose in that. Mm, everybody gonna... write to your congressman. Write to your congressman. Tell them to include Charlie's Angels' Ariana Grande song. Um, But yeah, this movie looks fine. Kristen Stewart is in it, and she looks like she's doing an okay job. Kristen Stewart looks like the best part of this movie. And I think she just looks I, like she's... I, I think Naomi humor. Scott is actually the best part of this trailer. Naomi Scott looks cool. I like that this is adding on the element of, like, she's kind of like a new recruit and the team's not already developed. It's kind of like a Three Musketeers situation where we have this established team and then they're bringing in a new person who, like, wants to be part of it, but there's, like, a learning curve, obviously, with that. So that could be a cool element, but this movie won't be good, but I think it looks like it'll be fun. Yeah, it can definitely be fun. Um, and I did just look on Wikipedia, and you're correct, they are all three Bosleys. And that shocks me, because I was also on Wikipedia earlier, and I didn't see that. Yeah. But now I know. I think this also, like, because of this thing, like, having three Bosleys and stuff like that, like, I think this might do some fun, like, kind of meta stuff with, like, playing with the Charlie's Angels, like, name and brand with it. You know, like, it was taken so seriously in the TV show, it was taken pretty seriously in those earlier movies. And this could be, like, a fun way where it kind of, I mean, like, not really satirizes, but kind of just goes a little bit more meta and, like, playful with it. I hope it goes meta because I feel like Charlie's Angels is not a franchise that can thrive well in 2019 as this is a female-led action franchise and they are Charlie's Angels. They are owned by this Charlie. He is their master. This does not send a good message. Mm. It looks like something that belongs in the past. Yeah, it seems like the Charlie's Angels of the 70s, the biggest driving force of it was like, wow, like women are doing action spy stuff. But now that's like a thing that we see we in every see other action movie that comes out. So this will have to do something different with like either new comedy angles or whatever that may be mm -hmm. to really thrive. Another fun fact I found out while researching um, was... The voice of Charlie has always been played by John Forsyth, and this film does not have a voice of Charlie cast yet, but that's because unfortunately John Forsyth died in 2010. So Tyler, as someone who is the bigger fan of this franchise because you've seen content from it, and I have not, how pivotal is Charlie to the Charlie's Angels role? I mean, he's the title character. I don't think he's that pivotal, but I think it's an opportunity for a fun like cameo if they want to get like some cool celebrity like George Clooney or something like that to just do like the voice of Charlie just for fun. So do you think they're going to actually recast it and not just try to work around like not having Charlie be a voice because they were out of respect for John Forsyth? I don't know. I feel like it'd be, I would like it to be like a cool cameo, but they might just like use a, uh, you know, archive audio or something like that. 
if they bring George Clooney in, will he be the same character he plays in the Spy Kids movies and Charlie's Angels that's is actually exactly why the OSS? I, I thought of George Clooney because that's like similar to that character that he plays in the Spy Kids franchise. Um, if this was connected to the Spy Kids universe, be I'd be way more interested in this film, but I don't think it is. But I am excited to see Naomi Scott in something that's not Aladdin because I thought she was really good in Aladdin and I thought Aladdin was just meh. So hopefully this will be able to like rocket ship her career to bigger and better roles. And even if this movie isn't that great, maybe one day she'll be in a movie that I think is good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just keep going back to Elizabeth Banks is directing and I don't know, that's kind of not the biggest draw for me. As Pitch Perfect 2 is the worst in the Pitch yeah, Perfect franchise. I think franchise. she's a great actress, but I just yeah. don't have enough information on her mm-hmm. as a director. Exactly. And this, like, Pitch Perfect 2 just, there's nothing that makes it stand out from a directorial standpoint that makes me go, oh, yes, her vision was seen through Pitch Perfect 2, and I can't wait to see what she does in Charlie's Angels. I'm just like, she pointed the camera at the actors and they said their lines pretty well. Yeah, there's nothing about the way Pitch Perfect 2 is directed that tells me that this movie will be good because she's directing it, but not really anything that makes it feel like it's going to be bad because of that. It, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's all these things adding on to each other that kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. I think it'll be fun, but I don't think it'll be good kind of vibe. Normally I would say, how can this movie be bad? Patrick Stewart agreed to be in it. But then I remember that Patrick Stewart was also... The poop emoji. He's poo-poo in the emoji movie. Now, all bets are off. I mean, how could this movie be bad? Noah Centineo is in it. He's never made a bad film, Tyler. No, but his Twitter account was terrible. Is he bad on Twitter? What's wrong yeah, with just him? Posted, he just posted some dumb, like, Tumblr inspo, like, stuff. Wow. Like those acrostic poems that spell something out. Oh, you mean the ones that I like to laugh at, like, when memes make fun of them? Yeah. Oh, uh-oh, duh-oh. That's not good. Mm-mm. Well, that's all I have to say about Charlie's Angels. Let's talk about a more exciting female-directed female ensemble movie. Yes, Little please. Women. Oh, this one looks good. It looks really good. This movie comes out on Christmas Day, December 25th, when you get up and you say, They've done it. The spirits have done it all in one night. And you rush to the window and you tell the young boy, rush to the store and find the biggest pen you have and take it to Bob Cratchit's house. I'm going to get ready and get on my AMC A-list app and get tickets to Little Women. (laughs) You can go see this movie on Christmas Day. Exactly. So if your house is swarmed with a bunch of your old like grandpas and uncles and your and boss that used to be an old miser but now all of a sudden he's nice to you this is weird and you go oh this house is full of too many men I need, and my crippled son i need to go see a wholesome film about women because i support the arts and i support women this is the one for you so little woman is going to be directed by greta gerwig starring saoirse ronan Emma Watson, Florence Pugh, Eliza Scanlon, Timothy Chalamet, Laura Dern, Meryl Streep, and Bob Odenkirk. Tyler, um, what's this movie about? So this movie is an adaptation of a classic Louisa May Alcott novel called Little Women. They didn't change the name. And there's also women out there that are little, so it's a triple threat. Also, I saw a funny tweet from Billy Eichner that said, It's 2019, it's problematic to call women little. Louisa May Alcott is canceled. Shout out Billy Eichner. (laughs) I love Billy Eichner. 
And anyways, this movie is like yeah, it's an adaptation. But what's what's the story? What's the, what do you get from the trailer? What's the what's the timeline on this? It's like nineteenth century. Yeah, like Christmas old, Carol time. Christmas, yeah. Everyone's just, it's like it's, yeah, it's like Charles Dickens <laughs> type. It's like a coming of age, like these sisters, and they're all different, and they're just growing together, and kind of like their life story and their interactions as they. Have you um? Do you have any history with this? Book or any I have of the never seen at all? any of the movie adaptations or read the book. I only know oh. a little bit about it. And I have seen half of a BBC production of this because it was like a PBS aired it, and I saw the first episode, and then my family watched the second episode without me, so I don't know what happens in the end. It just—I mean, I love the, I love Greta Gerwig as a director, as mm-hmm. I mentioned Lady Bird earlier. I love all these actors and actresses but i just can't help the feeling that this is gonna be very critically acclaimed and beloved but also like so slow like classic literature adaptations like they just are all so uh like well i guess spoilers for little women sorry like the classic novel but here's what i remember from the first half of a bbc production of this film it's about um, Joe is kind of the main character, and Saoirse Ronan will be playing Joe, and it's her interacting with her sisters and them growing together, like you said, but then like problems that they have, like drama between the girls, and then Joe is wanting to be a writer, so like trying her trying to break into like being a novelist, like in the world that like doesn't always accept female writers or like puts like um, different regulations on stories with female leads, and then. There's love intrigue and sometimes like some kind of a love triangle kind of thing going on, and yeah, it's actually really like an intriguing drama. But it, I feel like shortening it down to a film would make it more palatable for a mainstream audience, other than like a mini series or an older type of film or a book even. Mm, yeah. So I'm excited for it. Um, I know my mom's excited for it, so that's a good thing. It has the mom seal of approval. Yeah, and I guess, I don't know, when I think of these old, like, and I, like, I love classical literature, but there is elements to it where it's, like, it's so hard to, like, get through all these pages and pages to, like, get, you know, an Mm -hmm. ounce of the plot, and the the book is just so much. But the movie adaptations do help to, like, trim Mm -hmm. that fat a little bit. There's less of that you know, all the very heavy, like, description around the story, and you get straight to the dialogue and the character interactions and the plot devices when it's adapted into film, so... Yeah, that's why when you're in high school English and you're trying to get through The Great Gatsby, you're happy that both Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert Redford are there for you. And I fully trust Greta Gerwig and her adaptation of this movie. I think it's kind of interesting how she just did Lady Bird, and that's, like, a modern coming-of-age drama of a young woman coming into her own and her interactions with her friends and her family and then this is just kind of a similar type of story yeah in a she definitely period of time like has this relationship with females and like their interaction with each other that she's intrigued with and that she likes to explore in her films so i'm excited to see how she further expands upon those ideas in this film i'm curious to see how much she stays true to the source material not like i'll know because i haven't read the book and i don't know if i will before the movie comes but out but you can read an article that tells you the differences but i did that for where'd you go Bernadette? i'm just curious to see i don't know like i guess ladybird i thought the dialogue and stuff was so creative and unique and 
authentic the way that like Lady Bird and her mom like spoke to each other and stuff like that. And so I'm curious to see if Greta Gerwig is going to bring any of that style into Little Women too and have that unique edge to their conversation, even though it's not a modern story, or if she'll just adapt like direct dialogue that's takes place in the books and stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like when you're adapting like a classic piece of literature like this and you're setting it in the same time period and like you're in a period piece clothing, um, you have to kind of try to stay true to like words that are written on the page, especially for dialogue, because it would sound weird and anachronistic if like characters weren't talking like the way they were written or like people in that time period spoke. Yeah, so it I guess is I'm interesting saying, seeing like, like a 2019 take on it. Yeah, I guess I'm not concerned that I think that she will like hold true to like the types of language and stuff that's used, but I guess more like the st- like the physical style and the way that conversations take place. The like two. the way she writes dialogue, not like especially the words that are happening, like but the like way she the shoots flow. dialogue as a director of like the way mm-hmm. that people turn to each other and engage in a conversation. I think like when these classic novels have been adapted to film in the past, it's been done very like dramatically and theatrically, like a play kind of thing. And this is her chance to make it a little bit more like intimate and shoot it in yeah, a way that feels more like a, more a movie. Natural. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So all that said, I'm interested to see what she does with it and i'm excited because i believe she can do great things with it yeah i'm really excited too but i won't be seeing it on december 25th i'll be too busy opening my prezzies oh prezzies you're gonna make some powerpoints no prezzy is not as good as powerpoint powerpoint's classic what about google uh whatever their powerpoint thing trash i don't even know what it's called google slides google slides that sounds right yeah okay um but i will go on december 26th or 27th or somewhere in that time frame hmm i might go on december 25th as i open my presents on christmas eve like a true american because americans are impatient notoriously well when i have kids we're gonna open on december 23rd so they can have all their toys sooner than all their friends wow and then they can go to all their friends christmas parties whether they be on the 24th or the 25th just generationally every american like we're gonna just shorten it by a year it's just like like, the stores like we joke about having christmas in july now but just you wait christmas day july 14th 2025 it's gonna be that soon to turn around baby (laughs) but yeah speaking of films that adapt classic literature i have created a game for you tyler that centers around this idea do you wish to play yes oh thank god if you had said no i would have looked like a clown who had just created this this game for no reason but anyway here's the game i'm gonna list off the cast of a film that has taken a classic literature and give it a modern twist so an example of this would be like the lion king is inspired by Hamlet. So I would have named off people like Jeremy Irons and Matthew Broderick. And you would have said, oh. And then your answer has to be both the film and the book it's adapting. What if I only know one? Well, I mean, I can't tell you. Is it like a one point, two point situation? It would be like a one point, half point situation. Ah, damn. Okay. And to win, you must get mm, ten points. And there are six questions, which means that's not possible. Um, yeah, you said one point. So it's a one point. point, two point situation now. 
just and because you have to you, get 10 points. You have to get 10 points. Got it. Because there's six questions, which means it's 12 points possible. 10 points is the goal. If you win, I will um adapt your life into a classic work of literature. Oh my god. <laughs> I will travel back in time to the mid 1800s. Then my life will have not existed yet. No, but I will have known it. And I'll wow. write it. And it'll start. It'll start you, Tyler James Ellison. Wow, people in the 1800s are gonna be so confused when they read my life up to this point, and they're just like, "He starts a podcast. What on <laughs> earth is a podcast?" It'll be a work of science fiction that is spat upon and critically panned until many years later, when people go, "Wow, this was ahead of its time." The butterfly effect. We're gonna start podcasts trending much earlier in history, and so by the time we get around to it. People are going to have done so many different podcasts. We'll never be able to break through. And then when, like, you mean like now? <laughs> but when we actually... That's already the life we're living. But when we actually come out with our podcast preview review, everyone will say, wow, they're hacks. This was foretold. This, this... The they're ancient just, texts. They're just ripping off that book. <laughs> we will look like hacks, Tyler. So I, I pray to God you don't get 10 Jeez, points. Oh, God, this is turn for the worst. Anyway, we're going to play a game. <laughs> Alright, just a refresher on the rules. I'm going to give you the cast, and then you can ask for hints, and that won't count against your score. But I will tell it you when won't? I... It won't. But I will tell you when I've run out of hints. And you must get ten, and then I will be allowed to time travel. <laughs> Are you ready to play? Yes. Okay, your first cast. This film stars Nicholas Holt, Teresa Palmer, Rob Corddry, and John Malkovich. I only recognize two of the names you said. Can I get a hint? Yes. Um, this film is adapting a classic piece of literature written by William Shakespeare. The Shakespeare adaptation and Kenneth Branagh isn't involved in it? Yes. I have no idea. This film mean? came out in 2013. Hmm. Is it A Midsummer Night's Dream? No. You have to think more broad than that with this game, as they're not classic, straight-up adaptations. Oh, well, I was just guessing if that was the oh, if that's the book. inspired by. Well, no, it's oh. not that. Would you like one more hint? Sure. This hint is the director of the film is Jonathan Levine. Here's another hint. Thanks for nothing. Here's another hint that will be equally as helpful. This book was written in 1595. I feel like I'm just going to start guessing Shakespeare All right. plays. Thank you for playing. This film was Warm Bodies, which is a loose adaptation of William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Juliet. Very loose, but okay. R and Julie, Tyler. But that now you know what kind of game we're playing. <laughs> and if you get any more wrong, I will not be able to time travel. You know Tyler. what? I saw Warm Bodies when it came out, and I still to this day, I didn't really realize it was Nicholas Holt in that role. So that's oh, yeah. really That's surprising to me. Nicholas Holt. Um... I really like that movie. I think it's a good adaptation. Well, not really a good adaptation, but I think it's a good like zombie rom-com, which is fun. Yes, of all the zombie rom-coms that exist, it's one of the best. It's the top of his genre, I, I do say. All right, next. This film stars George Clooney, John Turturro, Tim Blake Nelson, and John Goodman. Okay, this is um, the Coen Brothers' Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, which is loosely inspired by The Odyssey. Correct! You needed no hints for that one. You're currently at 2 out of 
10 points needed for me to time travel. The first time I saw Oh Brother Where Out There was in my ninth grade English class when we watched it as a loose adaptation of The Odyssey. <laughs> so that has stuck with me my whole life. Congratulations. Um, your next film. This film stars Joey Lawrence, Billy Joel, Cheech Marin, and Bette Midler. Whoa. That's Joey Lawrence's thing. <laughs> Who is the other people? Bette Midler, Cheech Marin, and Billy Joel. What the fuck? <laughs> Please continue. Oh, I have that's no all, that, idea. Those are only those are the only cast members that I recognize their name. No, I need hints. Ryan. Oh, hints, hints, I hints. Need content. Um, this movie came out in 1988, and is a adaptation of a 1839 Charles Dickens book. Okay, so is it based on Oliver? Oliver Twist. This is based on Oliver Twist. Okay, that's one point. Yes. Now for everyone screaming. At their listening devices, how can he not know the classic Billy Joel, Oliver Twist adaptation? I'm with you. Did you know this? Oh, I know this, yeah. Oh my god, I've literally never heard of anything like this before. Okay, the correct answer is Oliver and Company, the Disney animated film. I have literally never heard of this. You've never heard of this movie? It's about cats and dogs in New York City, modern day. And Oliver's a little cat, and Billy Joel is a dog. And Billy Joel, like, wrote music for the film. At the height of his powers, Billy Joel, in 1988, came to help Disney out with their Oliver Twist adaptation. The more you know. So you are at three points, which means it's no longer possible for you to send me back in time. But we can keep playing, if that's okay with you. How true is it to Oliver Twist? Um, well, as true as an adaptation of Oliver Twist that features cats and dogs and takes place in a different city and different time period can be. Okay. <laughs> wait, hold on. I have three points, but that was the third question, no? That was the fourth. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, it was the third. I skipped one. I was counting wrong. Yeah. What I'm a twist. Sure we did okay, we're going back to yeah. number two because I skipped that one. Okay, so I can still do it. You can still send me back in time, Tyler. Wow, this is just keeping the viewers in suspense. All right. This film stars Emma Stone, Amanda Bynes, Ali Mashaka, Lisa Kudrow, and Stanley Tucci. Um, this is Easy A, which is an adaptation of The Scarlet Letter. Correct. <gasps> Looks like I'm that much closer to going back in time. We need five more points, and we have four more possible. Six points. more. Wait, possible points. I don't know. Wait, I'm confused. Me too. We're trying to do math in our heads, and we're not really paying attention to things. And this is all a bit about me going back in time, so it was never gonna happen. But we're gonna keep playing the game. All right, this film stars Michael Caine, Frank Oz, and Steve Whitmire. Is it? A Muppet Christmas Carol. It is a Muppet's Based Christmas Carol. Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol. It is. And wow. our last film stars Julia Stiles, Heath Ledger, Joseph Gordon Levitt, and Allison Janney. Julia Stiles, Heath Ledger, Joseph Gordon Levitt, and yeah. Allison Janney? Correct. I feel like I know what this movie is, but. Would you like a hint? Yeah, yeah. This film came out in 1999. And is a modern day adaptation of a William Shakespeare play. But it's not it's not called the Shakespeare play. It's like that one of those No, it has a different name. Interpretation one. Um Man, I was really hoping this was gonna be She's the Man with Amanda Bynes. That was possibly going to be one of the ones I chose, uh, but I chose this one instead because I thought you'd know it, but it looks like you don't. Do you have any more hints for me? Um, the play was released in 1590. The film is directed by Jill Junger. 
it might be Gil Junger. Hmm. About I, oh, go it's got to be a comedy. I don't, I don't think it can be a. I don't think it's gonna be a drama with the with that cast. So I'm just gonna pick a Shakespeare comedy mm-hmm. and hope that mm-hmm. it's. Let's try it. Is it based on the Taming of the Shrew? It is. That's a point for you. Wow, way to go! Nice poll. But I have no idea what the movie is. Wow. This film is 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, that's right. Tyler, thanks for playing. Unfortunately, Wait, so tell me how many points I got. Okay, okay. So we'll I go back got, through this. I know I got two. You got zero for Warm Bodies. You okay. got two for Easy A. Yeah. You got two for Oh Brother, Where Art Thou. You got one for Oliver and Company. Uh-huh. You got two for Christmas Carol. Uh-huh. And you got one yeah. for 10 Things I Hate About All You. All right, eight points. So and I was never going back in time. And now Tyler Thank God our podcast has... is safe from the butterfly effect. I mean. I was doing this as a favor to us all. I was also hoping that I could go back in time to the 1850s. But not anymore. Why? I don't know. It could you have want, been fun. You want so many diseases? I'm vaccinated, Tyler. I'm safe. <laughs> so, um, oh, I have I have more things to do for before we leave, well, Tyler. That's the episode. That's the end of the Impossible Burger that we started way earlier this episode. Ooh, uh, delicious. Couldn't even tell it wasn't real meat. They are. They're really good, actually. I haven't had one because they're more expensive than the Let's real burgers. Let's go to Burger King after this and try the Impossible Whopper. And yeah, we can go. Let's go. All right. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. And before we close out, Ryan is going to update us on our summer movie box office game. So if you are a recent listener, a few episodes ago, well, several episodes ago, both Ryan and I provided a list of the ten movies that we thought were going to earn the most money over the summer. And provided those in a ranked list from 10 to 1. We've been watching and waiting. And we're going to report back the official winner soon. After all the summer movies have had a chance to earn as much money once they're all out of theaters. Because the August releases need a little bit more time to catch up. But Ryan did want to update us because all the movies that we put on our lists have now debuted. And we want to know how many of them currently have made it into the top 10. Which ones are we maybe falling behind on. Which one of us, Ryan or I, is in the lead right now? So that you guys have a little bit of an update to carry you in through uh, September sometime when we actually recap and announce the official winner of our summer box office game. So, Ryan, who do you think is doing better right now? You or me? Well, just looking at the lists, it looks like... Oh, an important thing to note was that we were going to base this off of a system where if the if we put the movie in the top 10 and that movie was in the top 10... You earned one point, but if you put it in the correct placement as like being the number one movie or the number two movie or the number ten movie, that placement would be worth two points. And we're also only counting domestic sales because Once Upon a Time just opened this last weekend internationally and made a lot more money, but that money does not go towards the points for this game. Only the money it makes in North America counts. So just looking at our lists, it looks like I have more movies in the right place. But you have more movies right, if that makes sense, like on in your list. In the top ten. Yes. Which ones are, are staggeringly out of place? Like that either you or I put on a list that are like, oh my god, those did not make that much movie at all. Well, that um, much money. I foolishly believed Annabelle Comes Home would break the top ten. But you I had think that in like number nine or it's eight, It's number right? nine, 
on my list, and I it's 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 having trouble getting even to number eleven. So that's a oh no, what have I done? And Tyler, believe it or not, thought Men in Black International was gonna be number six. I don't even know where that is. It looked so good. I had so much hope in this franchise, and people would be hot off of Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson in the Marvel franchise. But then it got critically panned, and people said it's not that good. Even though Kumail Nanjiani is hilarious, and I had a great time watching this movie, so I'm not here to defend my choices. But I do say that, you know, maybe it wouldn't shouldn't be in the top ten, but it's a better movie than people give it credit for. And when people realize that in like four or five years, I'll have this podcast to prove that I was right. <laughs> okay, the scores have been calculated, and. I will reveal them after I tell the audience what the current summer top 10 2019 films are as of late to mid-August 2019. Where we will also let us know which movies are maybe in that top 10 or maybe just out of that top 10 that we need to keep our eye on that could be still moving up and going into the top 10. Yes, well, honestly, the only movie that has been released that's on either of our lists that has the potential to get into the top 10 is the number 10 film I chose, Good Boys, but it's only been out a week, and if it wants to get into the top 10, it needs to make about 90 more million dollars. Oh my god. But it's possible because August is a month where not a lot of films that people want to see come out, so people just go and watch movies that they liked, or like a mediocre opening, like a $21 million opening, can propel a film like this to bigger success um it was number one this weekend but it was only number one of 21 million dollars which is kind of a low opening but who knows maybe comedies sometimes have really good legs um r-rated movies have been doing really well this summer so you never know yeah but it's not over because there are other movies besides good boys that are still in the top 10 that could still be moving yes like um hobson shaw is um towards the lower end of this list and still has the potential to rise in the ranks and so does um once upon a time in hollywood so this is just a just an update list. yes okay okay just want to be sure that we're not jumping the gun here no um another fun fact is all these movies on the top 10 um one of us had them on our list at least one of us so nice. between the two totally of us we we figured out what they'd be so we'll start with the number 10 film of the summer so far which is godzilla king of the monsters and Tyler, you were the only one of us to put this film on your list, and you put it in the right place. So that's pretty good for you. And then, number nine is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We both had this on our list, and you had it at number nine. Um, well, it could continue to go up, but if it somehow halts making money and doesn't pass the like next film higher up, then you have it in the right space. If not, then you don't get the point for that. But we'll see at the end of the summer. Maybe I have to think again about going to see it a second time. <laughs> which is more valuable to me. My cinematic experience of enjoying this movie or winning. Oh, well, I definitely went to go see Annabelle Hulk Comes Home just to try to support the film to get into my top <laughs> It didn't work. I wasn't enough. <laughs> Number eight right now is Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Both you and I had this much higher, but it still has room to grow. Um, number seven is a film only you put on your list, which is Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Hey, that's right. Hold I didn't on, think on, I didn't think he'd still be there this long, but apparently nothing else has really come to sweep him out. And number six is a film only I put on my list, 
The Secret Life of Pets 2. And I put it on my list thinking, mm, we need some kind of kids movie that's not Toy Story to be in there. And I didn't think it would actually be doing this well. So, way to go, Pets. Dang, I'm surprised. Number five was a film that we also both had on our list, but we both had it lower on our list. It's done better than both of us have expected. John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. We both thought it would be film number seven, and that was fun because we had put the same movie in the same slot, but we were both wrong. It's not going to go down to number seven. Unless lose money. (laughs) Unless, like, Hobbs and Shaw and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood both outgross John Wick, which isn't impossible, but is unlikely. Number four was Aladdin, which is shocking to me still, knowing that it's the fourth highest grossing film of the summer. Wow, Aladdin. Um, Number five uh, is Spider-Man Far From Home. Oh, number three. Yes, I went the wrong way. Counting backwards is difficult. Um, Number three is Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, I had this in the same spot. I think you had it a little higher. I think I had it at two. Yes. And then... I put Toy Story 2 low. Yeah, you put Toy Story 4 at number four. You got stuck in that number loop. The numbers line up. But Toy Story 4 is actually number two right now. And number one, the film... Everyone saw it coming. The Lion King's making so much money. Yay. But right now, um, the score is Ryan with 11 points and Tyler with 12 points. Wow. Tyler, you're winning by one point. Race. If the summer ended right now and our game was over and we said, screw all the August movies, you would win. Mm-hmm. But we got to let Hobbs and Shaw, good boys, and Once Upon a Time, and in, Hollywood, a time in Hollywood have room to grow. We, they still got to make their money. Or else it's not fair because... We let Aladdin go on for so long. I mean, it wouldn't have gotten to number four if we cut it off after two weeks. That's true. That's true. But yeah, so that's a little update. update, Ryan. I'm looking forward to see how that plays out at the end of the summer. Mm -hmm. Well, it's that time again. Ryan, to say follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Preview Review and rate and subscribe at Apple Podcasts. Please. Please, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, just really quick, go to our page. Give us that rate. Give us that review. It'll help us a lot. It helps other people find us. And we don't just want your validation. We just want other people to be able to see our podcast. It would be really awesome if you guys would do it. I know it's annoying that I'm asking you to do this, but I'm asking you to do this. And I'm tired of Apple saying, sorry, we don't have enough reviews to show you an accurate rating for this podcast. if you give it a five-star rating... And then write somewhere in the review section, if you somehow sneak in the word Muppet, we'll know you've listened to the podcast this far, and you're a true fan. Thank you. All right. The code word is Muppet. (laughs) M-U-P-P-E-T. Well, Ryan, I have to ask you. I hope you didn't forget again this week. Mm, I think I'm going to get onions on my Impossible Burger is what... I'm going to say. What was the best trailer that oh, we discussed Oh, this question, today? not about Burger King later. And what movie that we discussed today are you most excited to see? Um, I think the best trailer we saw this week was Little Women. Um, I like seeing the period piece. Um, something I didn't mention, but now I'm just remembering, is that it looks like all the lighting in this trailer like, kind of comes from like on-screen lighting. Like It doesn't look like there's too much lighting from like lights. And it makes you feel lighting, more like, immersed. Inside this world and like when you can see that kind of thing in a trailer. I think that does a really good job. The cast looks really exciting Little Women is the most exciting trailer that I saw this week. Is that the movie you're most excited to see Ryan? Yes, it gets the double points wow, from two me votes for Little Women. 
I'm throwing both of my votes behind the goldfinch. <gasps> a tie again? I thought the trailer was great. I love just the aesthetic of the shots that are shown. The shot of the museum with the, you know, stark white walls and then the black cloud of smoke coming through. That's just shot so beautifully and gets me excited for the trailer. I like that you have to kind of piece together the different plot elements in the trailer. And I'm excited to see the movie because I haven't read the book. And so I want to know this plot and this story. Well, Tyler, usually when we have a tie, I hold a number up behind my back. It's very complex. But this time, usually in those situations... I have a horse in both races, but this time it's Ryan versus Tyler, so I feel like that would be a little more unfair because I'm playing mind but games with time, you. this time, we're not somewhere where we don't have coins. I have a jar of coins right here Coin in my jar to the rescue. Tyler, does the goldfinch, does that say a head or a tail to you? Because I think goldfinch, I think of bird, and I think birds have tails. But I'll let you call your own shot. That's exactly what I was going to say. Goldfinch is a bird. Birds have tails. Women don't have also tails. call it tails because there's a bird on that side of the coin. So I think it's only right that if I flip the tails, goldfinch wins. If I flip the heads, little women wins. Yeah, because women have heads. But so do birds. So you can't use But that women logic. don't have tails. Women have their own stories. Like A-L-E-S. It was a pun. Oh, okay, okay. T-A-L-E-S. Yes. Not ales as in like the lager and ale. No, I said tails. Yes. But I was just spelling. I, I assumed the T was given. Mm, okay, well, I'm flipping the coin. Here we go. Tails. Goldfinch wins. And women everywhere cries. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We have been Preview Review. I'm Tyler Ellison. And I'm Ryan Toon. We love you. We love doing this podcast. We don't care how many people listen. Not really. I don't know anymore. I don't look. I don't look. Maybe we'll blow up one day. Maybe we won't. But thank you for all your love and support. And we thank you for listening to the podcast. Ten episodes strong. And we're going to keep going. So ten episodes down. Ten million to go. Let's do it. All right. See ya. Bye. All right, let's get to Burger King, Tyler. Oh, my God.